Welcome to the Diocesan Digest, a news outlet for the Episcopal Diocese of Oklahoma. I'm your host, Sarah Smith, Coordinator of Media. In these short episodes, we will share the latest news, ministry stories, clergy, spotlights, and much more about the Diocese of Oklahoma each week. If you or your congregation wants to share a ministry story or other important news item, or even a particular topic you want to see covered on the podcast, please contact me at smith at epiok.org. One announcement, folks. This Sunday, join Father Joe Alzi of St. Augustine's and Father Everett Lease of Christ Church Tulsa in the National Bell Ringing Ceremony to commemorate the 400 years of African history and culture in the United States in conjunction with Bishop Michael Curry and the Episcopal Diocese of Southern Virginia's Bishop James B. Magnus. They invite Episcopal churches all over the country to take part in a national action to remember and honor the first enslaved Africans who landed in English North America in 1619 by tolling their bells for one minute on Sunday, August 25th, 2019. So this Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern or 2 p.m. Central Time. All right, folks, this week's episode features the Reverend Dr. Becca Stevens. Becca is an Episcopal priest and the founder and president of Thistle Farms, a social enterprise dedicated to supporting survivors of trafficking, prostitution, and addiction. She is our guest speaker at this year's Bishop Lecture Series, along with several women from Thistle Farms. They will be selling bath and body products at the event, of which they will give 20% of the profits to a local OKC organization that is also doing this work of social justice. Tickets are only $20 over at our website uh, at epiok.org slash bishop lecture. We hope to see y'all for Becca's presentation, or revival rather, on September 13th and 14th at St. Paul's Cathedral in downtown Oklahoma City. Y'all, Becca is awesome, and her fiery spirit and deep wisdom are contagious and inspiring. We are so blessed to have her with us. So here is Becca Stevens. Everyone, I'm so excited. (laughs) to welcome the Reverend Dr. Becca Stevens to the Diocesan Digest podcast to talk about her visit that is upcoming September 13th and 14th to our diocese to share about her incredible ministry and work in the world. So welcome, Mother Becca. I'm going to try not to call you Mother because I know you don't like it, but it like naturally comes out of my mouth as as respect, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So, Becca, are you excited? I gotcha. To Oklahoma? I'm so excited to be coming to Oklahoma. I love Oklahoma, and Oklahoma has been a great place. We visited in the past and have had tea parties, and I'm, I want to come and celebrate the work going on in the diocese with 
Bishop Ed and your whole community and also try to just inspire people for like, what's the next steps in creative justice? Right, right. And I want to get more into that um, in your work. But first, I wanted people to get to know you a little bit. Sure. Why, why the Episcopal Church and why did you become a priest? What's your background in the church? So I was raised in the Episcopal Church. My dad was an Episcopal priest, and I didn't really know my dad. He died when I was five. He was killed by a drunk driver, mm. which was a horrible, sad thing. Yeah. And the church became really, I mean, it was our, the central piece of our lives growing up. A mom who was 35 years old, widowed with five kids. And I learned really the beautiful parts of community and how great church can be. But I also learned really the sad parts of church and about how it can be broken. And I was abused in the church. And I think I just had this desire my whole life to be a part of a really healing place that engaged justice, provided sanctuary, and was there for people from birth to death. I love it. I still love community. I still love the Eucharist. still love the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in all of the ways that it is broken and it has not been there for people in so many ways, I still have a love for, I guess, the gift of what it has been and the gift of what it maybe can be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. So what, tell me about your process into caring about women's justice and women's issues and it's humans issues human issues human rights it's not just for women it happens that we house women but the issues of human trafficking addiction prostitution those are human rights issues it seems like women have taken the leadership in it and women have borne the brunt of those injustices but this is you know our message and our healing practices are for men and women but what led me into it was really meeting women on the streets and in some ways feeling like I was meeting myself. Mm. I mean, the broken, the broken open part of me and thinking, how would I want it done for me? If I was coming off the streets or out of prison and had all this trauma, you know, what would I want? And that's how I created the very first community more than 23 years ago. And since then, you know, we've just kind of replicated that model. And then we started realizing that the biggest problem for many of the women was the um, poverty, the violence and the vulnerability of that. And so what I really wanted to do was then create a big old business so women could have money and they mm-hmm. could make choices for themselves in their lives. And that's what, you know, Thistle Farms was about. And that's what we've been doing ever since. It is such a cool idea and such a, a new thing in social justice, relatively speaking, um, that people are starting to do. Kind of this holistic care and holistic organizations to help women not only like recover from their trauma and addiction, but give them all that support that they need to thrive, like jobs and a place to live and kind of that transition all the way through, right? Absolutely. And I think it's funny because a lot of times we think in justice work, you have to do, um, you know, you have to help a lot of people in a very short amount of time for it to be effective. Mm-hmm. And when I started Thistle Farms, I thought I want to do it really small. 
just five women and do it really gracefully and purposefully. And I think it's the best return on justice investments anybody can ever make because small groups of women, you know, heal whole communities and they bring more people along and it grows a real movement. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, I think it's like we don't do that in any other area. Maybe, maybe in pastoring, you think if you have 50 people showing up, you have to have 55 and then you have to have 57. But I mean, like, if you think of like parenting, people don't say like, oh my gosh, you only have two kids. You need 12 to be an effective right. parent. Right. You know, it's like, it's like, no, you can do beautiful things with very small numbers. And that is part of what I hope I can convey is that we don't have to be overwhelmed or we don't have to feel um, insignificant if it's small numbers. It's a beautiful thing. And it is how, I mean, it's how the whole Christian community was created. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. that's part of the creative justice I want us to talk about when I get up there. And then I also want to talk about what I've learned, um, you know, from all this work is that we don't have to be the hero in all these stories. You know, I think that's the other reason it's hard for people to get involved. They think, oh, my gosh, I'm inadequate. I don't have the skill set. Like, nobody does. You know, <laughs> it's hard. But what we get to be is a host, and we can provide the time and the space and the resources so that women coming out of this life can, you know, be the hero of their own story. They're the ones doing the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. We're just there, you know, we're there as, as these really hopeful, loving cheerleaders. <laughs> right, right. Um, I'm excited for you to meet some of the folks who are doing this type of work in Oklahoma city and the folks I've met with, including dragonfly, which is like a sex trafficking crisis center. Um, and, uh, remerge, which is kind of a, we talked about it before, but like, a kind of, it helps women not go to jail that are dealing with issues. Um, I forget what the word's called, not like transitional, but uh, it's an, I'm going to have to find it. Anyways, <laughs> we have a lot of different organizations that seem to be doing a piece of what you're doing and they mm-hmm. all, they all work together to like mm-hmm. kind of end up what looks like a thistle farms. So I think that's one of the things that's frustrating for folks here um, is that it's not quite, there's not quite one thing that's all encompassing, but they're working together to make it work, which I think is really important and beautiful and good. Um, well, I think, I think that, that for me, at least it's like the more we're getting together, the more we're collaborating, right. the more we remember that justice work is not a competitive sport. It's this yes. collaborative, beautiful effort that will help, you know, that helps all of us. Right. It really does. It helps us in our messaging. It helps us in our marketing. It helps us in our services. It helps us in our sanity. because none of us really do it all by ourselves. So I'm glad to hear that there's collaboration. I'm glad to hear that people are are thinking about how can we work together better. That's great. The other thing I want to say, though, is that I think, you know, for all the churches, if I get to meet anybody from any of the churches, I'm going to be so happy because the other thing I think is this work helps form our communities, how we worship, how we offer our um, time, talents, and treasures. And somehow we got it backwards where we think like we do this worship 
And then we have all these little things that come out of it, whether it's our healing ministry, our stewardship, our evangelism, our justice, our outreach. Instead of thinking we start with this mission and then we celebrate together, you know, this beautiful work of love in the world through worship. And so it helps form all those things. Mm. And that's the more we're engaged and the more we're out there doing it, I think the richer and better our worship is. It doesn't feel stale. I think sometimes that's the problem in the Episcopal church is that the worship feels stale sometimes. Right. Right. It's not evolving with human experience. Right. Engaging with human experience. And it can be something as little as you, you know, what you put on your altar Mm -hmm. or, or who is invited to um, bring a word of hope or, I mean, it can be a lot of different things. It doesn't mean you throw away the liturgy. It means no. to me that our work in the world with our eyes wide open and our hands outstretched influence the way that we break bread, the way that we pray, the way that we sing all of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Um, so, I want to ask you about the theological piece. How does your theology inform this work you're doing? I don't even know what my theology is anymore. Isn't that sad? <laughs> I don't even understand that question. Yeah, but your whole I thing think- is, is love heals, right? And that, that yes. to me is your theology. Okay, then that's my theology. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it's like we do get caught up in all this church words and this... Um, church business, which is a great tool sometimes, but out in the world, it gets confusing. So what I have to remember is theology is simply this, the language about God. Yeah. And the kingdom is really just life with God. Mm-hmm. So if I can remember how I talk about God and how I live with God, that is my theology. That is my practice. That is my worship. So for me, when I get up and I do this work with women you know, whether it's in Rwanda or Oklahoma or Nashville or Mexico or anywhere, if I can love people, then I'm experiencing the kingdom and I'm experiencing the truest form of what I understand theology to be, which is how we love each other and God and ourselves. Yeah. Simple, perfect. Yes. Yes. But I really also want to sell products. Yeah. What are the I mean, what does selling products help with? So we make um, a whole line of bath and body care products, everything that a body could need that wants to feel good and heal. And what I've been realizing lately is if everybody that said that they loved us and supported us, they actually bought our soaps, it would be a different ball game mm-hmm. because that's hiring more women. And that's really what it's about. It's about the next woman. And so I think in some ways this is the most important soap people can buy. They feel good about themselves. They smell like a luxury hotel. They, they have a story to share with their guests when they come in the house or when they come in your office or when they use the church restroom. You know, it preaches and it changes lives. So I don't, I don't feel bad that sometimes I sound like an infomercial when I'm out there on the road. I feel like you know, it's, it's a way that I'm serving my community as much as preaching. It's a way that I'm loving women as much as, you know, offering a prayer with them. I'm using the soap and that's what, that's what women want. They want economic independence. They want to feel good about themselves and like they have meaning and a mission, which they do. But this, 
beautiful company helps all that happen. Right. So one of the great things about coming out there is I'm assuming everybody I talk to is going to use soap. Definitely. I would hope so. I would hope so too. Yeah. And so if that's the case, it's is going to be a celebration and it's going to be like a big old church bazaar and it's going to be some creative, thoughtful conversation. So it's going to be good. I love it. That's great. I love how this work is like, we're kind of the other word I was thinking about is ethics, theology and ethics, but how we're your organizations helping, not just the spiritual and emotional care of the human being, but also practically helping people's bodies, helping people's economic status. Right. I mean, it's a, the whole, whole package. I love that. You you know, one of the things that we have at Thistle Farms is we have an IDA, which means an individual development account. And so if women save $1,200, we match it, which means you can get a, you can put a down payment on a car, you can get your own place. You know, I mean, there's all reasons that $2,400 makes a difference in somebody's lives. And just in our gathering this morning, um, one of the 70 employees that are a resident or graduate of Thistle Farms in the circle said, I just completed my IDA and the whole circle erupts cheering. <laughs> and it is, so it is, it's ethical, it's spiritual, it's theological, it's, it's a party. It's a party to think, you know, I'm not just recovering and I'm not doing drugs and I'm not, you know, prostituting. I'm saving money for myself and my kids and I'm making decisions and I'm contributing and I feel really proud and good of myself. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it is all that you're exactly right. And, and what you're saying about us buying soap or whatever it is, it's us participating in that community of love and care for women and just our own human family, right? Like that's how we can help folks all the way in Oklahoma. Yes, absolutely. It's not a small thing. It's a big thing. Right. So it's, go ahead. No, I'm done. Go. No. Oh. <laughs> um, you've mentioned a call to action the last time we talked, and I wanted you to say more about just firing up the folks you're going to talk to here in Oklahoma City, and what did you mean by bringing everyone to a call to action in this work? I think that there's a call to action for us individually and communally. So I think part of the call to action individually is that all of us wake up and show up and grow up and clean up. And we think of how we can live, you know, as deeply and as wholly into our truths as we can. And so part of this will be like a revival, you know, like this call to action for our individual selves to say, what are the areas we need to really wake up and clean up and grow up? and show up. I mean, what do we need to do? And there'll be some practical things that we talk about. There'll be some simple rituals we might, you know, throw out there for people that they feel like I'm doing something and I can do this and get deeper into my faith and live fully 100% in. But then there's a call to action communally too calling us accountable as a church community so that we're relevant in people's lives. So we're out in the marketplace engaging people and, um, you know, calling them to come be a part of this. 
And there's a way that we have to have a call to action for all of us to take responsibility for what's happening. I mean, none of the women ended up on the streets by themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes a bunch of failed systems and bunches of failed communities. So how do we as communities welcome the women back? And how are we a part of that healing? And that's the call to action for community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It fires me up. Yay. Are you going to be there? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Becca. Is there anything else you wanted to add about your program or what people can expect or what you hope they walk away with? Just come. That's my whole thing. Just come and let's see what happens. I mean, there's, if, if, if you have any time and space for it, we welcome you and we would love to see you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us, y'all. Be sure to sign up for the Diocesan Newsletter at our website, epiok.org newsletter. And follow us on all of our social media platforms to stay up to date on what's going on in the Episcopal Diocese of Oklahoma. See y'all next week, and peace be with you.